This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, we bask in the glory of our award win. We talk all things Dundee and Dundee United. And the European Super League takes a kicking. Hello, I'm Callum Woodger and welcome to another episode of Twa Teams One Street. I say another episode, it's actually the first episode of a new era. <laughs> this is the award-winning Twa Teams One Street. Um, we were nominated last year. Um, I remember us making a pretty big deal about that at the time. So I think the fact we've actually won an award, we're gonna, it's all going to go to our heads. But um, no, th- th- we were we were uh, honoured to, to pick up the best local and community podcast award at the publisher podcast awards last night um on zoom i was pretty raging because last year our producer chris finn actually got to go to london and have a big um i suppose piss ups the word um for the awards and i had to sit in my spare room on zoom in my tracky bottoms um with all my diy equipment behind me to accept this award but um it's a it's a, it's a nice accolade um and i'm as ever, joined by two of the men that make it happen, George Cran. Hello. And I hope uh, while you were accepting that award, that you had the top half was actually bow tie and tux. Do you know what? I'll tell you a story once we've introduced Bear because <laughs> some people were really dressed up and some people really weren't. There, so um, <laughs> Graham Finnan's here as well. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm. I'm sitting here. I'm basking, basking in the award victory. Callum, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm really chuffed. I'm really surprised, actually, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, um, but it's not. It, it was great to be nominated, and, and really, you know, it's just a, it's a pity. You're right. We could have been there. We could have all had our, our, our bow ties on and the best bib and tucker. And you know, what I would have really liked was if we could have gone on the stage and collected it. You know, and had one of these great big long winded speeches, and you know, thanked everybody from from Stop our playing employers. The music. Stop playing the yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For our employers, didn't. Uh, you know, sort of, you know, the, the posty and it, just anybody you can. And uh, <laughs> you know, we'd have to throw in, obviously, a, a political statement at the end because that's what they always do, isn't it? <laughs> you know, but uh, no, nah, it's, uh, it's it's great. And we'll, we'll, we'll dine out on it for the next uh, few weeks. And finally, say no to a joint stadium for Dundee and Dundee United. Mic drop <laughs> walks off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it was a... It was an odd sensation. I mean, I did a mini sort of award speech, and it, it became a wee bit like that. I was just thanking people, and and I'm going to we'll go on and do that in a minute, um, and and we will talk about football. I promise, because you people listening probably don't give uh, a toss what we, what we've been up to and, and us winning the awards. But it was strange because there was people. There was a boy who was sitting in his garage in a full tuxedo, um, accepting his award, and there's me, like barely awake, um, in a tracky. Not expecting to win at all, and then yeah, having to deliver deliver some kind of speech. But I'm glad it was you accepting it, Calm, because I'd uh, I'd booked a ticket. It was a free ticket to to watch it, so that I could just see what was happening. And I did. I took a leaf out of Anthony Hopkins' book after he forgot that the I think it was the Baftas was on last week, and he was in the other room when he when he won his Bafta. <laughs> Uh, I just forgot it was on, so I'm, I'm, it was a real surprise when I <laughs> saw the tweet come through that we'd won something. So well done for actually turning up on Zoom. The only reason I was anywhere aware was um, Chris Finn, who who produces the podcast for us. He he let me know that there was going to be an award ceremony on Wednesday. I totally forgot, and he told me on Monday, so I had to sort of uh, get myself mentally prepared for that. But no, as I was saying, it goes without saying. Obviously, big thanks to to Chris. Um, everyone else has been involved on the show down the years. Um, Sean Hamilton, obviously, Tom Duthie started out doing this with us um, many moons ago. I'm sure he'll be um, claiming a lot of credit for this, sitting on his <laughs> backside and, and at home. His face was on the, was on the picture they used, so <laughs> no. he'll definitely be claiming some. <laughs> a little bit out of date, um, but no, there's plenty of other folk. Who else have we had on? Lee, Lee Wilkie. Lee Wilkie's been on quite a bit, and Steve Finnan, and there's a lot of people who have been on and contributed and um, I think it was good I think before we came on Bear you were saying it's good that we won we were nominated for the sport category but we won the community and local podcast and that was good in a way because it's maybe like not to be blowing smoke up our own backsides but it's maybe one of the strengths of the podcast is uh, the fact that it is about one city one street two teams and yeah. it is so local yeah. for me that was that was um, pleasing anyway 
Yeah, well, we'll make no bones about that, Callum. Um, and, you know, to an extent, certainly the, the Evening Telegraph's about that as well, Dundee and Dundee United. And that's where, that's where you know, all, all our sort of feel, feel for football comes. But, you know, we're, we're based in this city. I'm, I'm a Dundonian born and bred. So, you know, I, I know what it's all about. I know the rivalry, but it, it is a, although it is intense when the derby matches are on, it is friendly and, and the banter spills over from that is just terrific. And I think we just carry that on in, in the podcast and, and just go with the flow. And uh, no, nah, it, it's good to be sort of, it's good to be rewarded for that. There you go. It just goes to show you if, if we can win a podcast, anything can happen. So <laughs> somebody from this city had to win silverware this season. So I'm glad you obliged <laughs> and, and went and did it. So um um, but we're, we'll we'll leave it there. We'll maybe I'm sure we'll definitely drop it in um, at another point in this episode and, and over the coming episodes for the next however many long we'll be dining out on it for a long time, no doubt. Um, <laughs> but another team, well, another team. We're a team, I suppose. We're a team. Another team um, looking to 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 make a bid for silverware. Um, are Dundee United. They're still in the Scottish Cup, courtesy of last Friday night's one 0 win at Forther. Um, Peter Pollock getting the goal at Station Park that, that saw them through. George, they've got a last eight clash at Aberdeen on Sunday, uh, 90 minutes away from Hamden. There's no more incentive needed for United to go out and put on a put on a show, hopefully, at Pataudry. Definitely not. And you, you can see from the, obviously they played uh, Kilmarnock in the week and maybe I want to forget what the result was, but you can see by the team they picked in that that the... Uh, the focus is all on that game on Saturday. And they've done quite well against Aberdeen this season as well. Um, they've beaten them the last time out. So they shouldn't be having any fear going into that one. The form recently, you kind of forget that Kelly game's really good as well. And on paper, they've maybe, they've maybe not had the performances that people would like to see, but they've not been conceding goals at all. They've been picking, there was four straight wins before that, that game at Kelly. Mm-hmm. And the the Forfar game wasn't, as I say, it wasn't a classic. But and I thought I thought Forfar kind of put up a good show and and, and maybe it showed that they might have something that can keep themselves up in, in League One this season. But United had the quality, and eventually that showed with a good goal from Peter Pollitt. And they had a few chances they could have made it a bit easier for themselves, but they came away with a one 0 win, booked the big cup tie, and then hopefully might be able to get themselves to Hamden this season. Yeah, I was just going to say there, George, I didn't want to interrupt you in full flow, but uh, you obviously don't have any idea of what day it is ever because it's Sunday that Sunday uh, <laughs> night is take on Aberdeen, not Saturday. So What did I say? Saturday. So right. it's, I know it's, it's an easy mistake to make. It's just obviously not just podcast awards that you get confused with. <laughs> I, I was talking about the, the Forfra game last week on Saturday. That was a Friday. Yeah, no, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> I knew that. I did watch that game. <laughs> It was a deadpan delivery, George. I had no idea if you were joking there or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, uh, you, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the, the, the commander game that was a three 0 defeat last night when Wednesday night, and uh, almost tripped myself up there Wednesday night in Ayrshire. Um, Bear, that was a it was a much changed team for for United at, at Rugby Park, obviously with a view to to Sunday. But it was still good to see some of the young players out there, Kerr Smith. Flo Hotte, uh, Archie Mickison, Louis Apere as well, of course, was out there. Yeah. Um, good to see United given, you know, much talked about academy players' chances. Yeah, yeah. I think I think George has been taking the celebration of winning the war too far last night, George. You must have had a good night. <laughs> I'm feeling it, man. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> when, I looked, when I looked at the United lineup, I actually looked at the, the substitutes first, and I'm just, you know, on the bench, you've got Reynolds, McNulty, Clark, Edwards, Butcher, Shankland, and that's not including Benjamin Seagrees, you know, mm-hmm. the, the number one goalkeeper all out of the team. Now, I know Mickey Mellon's talking about playing a strong team and to keep the integrity of the league and to try and get a result. But, uh, you know, that's you know that's the backbone of Dungeon United's team this season you're, you're talking about there. So maybe, although although they, they might have expected to do a slightly better at Kilmar, like, uh, I might be no surprise that they actually lost the game. Um they lost poor, poor goals uh, in saying that. You know, I mean, I've got to say that, that uh, you know, Kyle Lafferty got a hat trick, but he had a, a, a pretty, you know, dangerous challenge on Liam Smith uh, before. I don't know if you've seen that, and we'll go on to talk about the Dundee game later on, but mm-hmm. 
I think in, in another instance, it was quite early in the game. I think if it had been later in the game, there might have been a question to be asked by by the, the referee. But uh, he got away with it. And, and fair play, I mean, he's, he's gone on and banged in a, in a hat trick and he's doing really well for Kilmarnock. And he looks like he's pointing them in the right direction. From Dundee United's point of view, yeah, they can take sort of, you know, some sort of good from the game and the fact that they did play a few kids. But there's no doubt in, in, in my mind whatsoever that Mickey Mellon has his eye on one game and one game only, and that's against Aberdeen uh, on Sunday. On Sunday, George, in the in the Scottish Cup up, up at Petaudry. Um, you're not actually covering the game, George. Are you? That would have been. You mean you would have been standing outside Petaudry at three o'clock on Saturday, wondering where everybody was. Um, I suppose it's better to be early than it is to be late, yeah. so I wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> the whole twenty-four hours. <laughs> I know, just be be there on time. Eh? Yeah, so I mean, I'll be a, I'll be a big game. Aberdeen seem of you know taking a wee lift from. Uh, the new manager that's come in, uh, Stephen Glass. Um, and I think Aberdeen have got some, you know, you look at their team, they have got some real good players like McCrory at the back. Andy Considine, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, you know, they've got guys like Johnny Hayes, Lewis Ferguson, Nam again, and, and I think Callum Henry can play for Aberdeen, although he's, he's not been getting, uh, he, was on, he was on the bench last night. Um, I think the big big issue they've got is they haven't really replaced Sam Cosgrove, and and although yeah. he wasn't scoring goals, he created things for them. But I do believe that United will bring all these guys that I mentioned back into the team, and with them in the team, they have been very difficult to to break down. And you know, it's a it's a, a I think the, the game's on a knife edge, Callum. Yeah, to be honest with you, and I could see it going extra time and maybe even penalties. You know, you just hope that. You know, you need to have their, their top strikers back in there, and you hope that one of them can come up trumps and and get. I could see a one 0 one in it, and you know, one, hopefully that goal will be for Dundee United. Yeah, I think um, you, you, you mentioned the players that were on the bench last night, and I was looking at them, and maybe apart from um, Nicky Clark and Mark McNulty, who have sort of rotated in and out the team, but Mark Reynolds, Ryan Edwards, Lawrence Shankland, Callum Butcher unless injury is, is taking them out of the team, they've played pretty much every game this season. So I think with United safe in the league and if, you know fan, fans want United to go and be competitive and win every game. Um, but I think looking at the bigger picture and the long-term project, it, it maybe does benefit them to give some fringe boys games, give young boys games when they are safe. There's not much to play for. You know, they're, they're fighting out for seventh. The, the bigger game is the cup at the weekend. There's no doubt about that. Um, and they'll have pretty much the full strength team back for that game um, in Aberdeen. The only person who's likely to continue to miss out is Benjamin Segrist. He's, um, the wrist injury is going to probably keep him out still. He had to come off in the warm-up um, at 4 for Athletic, so we'll just, um, we've rounded everything up, so we'll just cast our mind back to that on Friday night <laughs> at Station Park. George, um, disappointing to see Benji have to come off um, half an hour before the game. Dennis Mehmet stepped up and did a did a fine job at, at, at the last minute, but there was obviously some comments made by uh, Richard Forster, who was speaking as a pundit on BBC Scotland's live coverage of the game. Um, he said, uh, you know, as the, the change in goals was happen, ha- happening, was what he was saying was he hoped Benjamin Segrist had broke his wrist or his hand, or else he should he should really continue. Um, I don't think he meant to meant it to sound as harsh as it did, but he certainly butchered the delivery of it. Um, disappointing to hear comments like that and. Even if the word choice wasn't great, it's 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 a, such a bizarre thing for Foster to come out and say. I I found it really strange. Um, I don't mind Richard Foster. I don't agree with everything he says, but he's he's one of these guys who's not afraid to kind of speak his mind, even if nobody, not a lot of people aren't going to agree with it. I don't mind that, but this was a very strange one. Um, should, I, I'm sure at some point in his career, he's probably. Picked up an injury in, in, in the warm up, mm-hmm. and it, it showed obviously that Segrist is a doubt for the game of the weekend. That it wasn't just a, a minor thing, um, because that it disrupts a team when you lose a player in, in, in the warm up. That I mean, you've been working, especially your goalkeeper, you're exactly. a specialist position. Yeah. So. and you've been you've been working through the week on, on your team and how you're going to set up for these games, and then suddenly, what four or five minutes before kick off, you're you're having to change things around. Um, and then he also made some comments about Dennis. I think just before they kicked off about how they Partick had, had thought they would have a chance against him in the previous round, basically saying that he's not very good as a as a number two keeper. But we've we've seen over the years that he's he's, he's a good number two. No, he's 
Um, Absolutely, he's probably one of the best number twos in in the Premiership, if not the whole of Scottish aye. football. To be honest, he's a good backup keeper to have. I know. So it was, uh, aye, it was just an odd, odd all round. Uh, I found it, it. It sounded a bit like sour grapes uh, after the the previous round. Although Partick did play well that that, that day, but aye, you could you could see why United weren't too happy with it. I think see if it was a punter had said something like that, or some daft journal like myself had said something like that. It wouldn't have been any better, but it would have been maybe easier to take for, for Segrist. But I think what he was saying, or what Mickey Mel was saying anyway, that Benji was upset and disappointed by the comments because they came from a fellow pro who really should know better and really should know what that ah, exactly. that situation is like and, and how it feels. Um, Bear, what was your what was your take on sort of Richard Foster, Benji Segrist gate? Yeah, it was, uh, well, it was an uninformed comment, wasn't it? I mean, he doesn't know Benjamin Segrist really um, and, and what sort of... What what nature the guy's like, and we we do know him, you know, Dungeon, and he's not a guy to go down lightly. And I've got to say, most goalkeepers aren't, you know, mm-hmm. and most goalkeepers will, will play through any sort of injury, but he's obviously done himself some some serious damage. But for for Foster to go on and say, I hope he's broken his arm, that, that was a wee bit a wee bit rash, and he probably regrets that, I would think. And and to be fair, you know, the fellow pundits on the night, I think it was Leanne Crichton and, and Jonathan Sutherland, I'm not sure, but. Uh, they took my task on it, you know, and it became a bit, a bit of a joke. But he stuck by it. He didn't, he didn't back away from it. And I think that's the thing. He could have went, nah, maybe I'm, I'm being a wee bit harsh on it. He didn't do that. And Mickey Mellon's rightly come out and said, you know, it's, it's a bit unfair. And, and Seagree's disappointed. But you'll not be that disappointed. Benjamin Seagree's a big lad. Like, you just go yeah. on. You just go on with it. But uh, I think Richard Foster will be more careful in the future. Yeah, I think for the avoidance of doubt, I think it was Jane Lewis and Leanne Crichton. But yeah, no, you're right. The, Sorry, what, yeah. you're saying's, what you're saying is right. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's disappointing. But I think Benji's a, a a big competitive guy as well. I think if he if he could have played, he would have played. Um, it's not a broken wrist, but he certainly uh, has hurt it. He's 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 been away for a scan on it, and he he sat out completely. Um, at Kilmarnock last night, which um, you know, is is isn't great to see. Um, because he's had a terrific season. He's a he's a he's a fantastic player for Dundee United, and I'm sure he'll go on to to have a fantastic career, whether that's at Tannadice or elsewhere. But um, I think <laughs> I think I think Neil Alexander was a bit concerned when Dennis Mehmet went down in the six yard box in the second <laughs> half, and it looked, it looked like you know forty three year old Neil Alexander no played the first team minute in three years was going to have to come on, but uh, Dennis Dennis managed to continue, which was good. <laughs> Just uh, talking about the the pundits and stuff beforehand. Uh, maybe it was just me that picked up on it, but I, I think Jane Lewis actually called Dennis Mehmet Billy Mehmet. Which would have been a real surprise she if Billy, Billy Mehmet <laughs> turned up in goals for United. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I love Big Dennis. He's a nice guy and, and he's a good keeper. And we spoke to him after that game, and he was he was terrific to deal with. But he couldn't lace Billy Mehmet's boots. I'm sorry, he just couldn't. Um, Billy <laughs> Mehmet's a, a, a legend, <laughs> an absolute legend. But yeah, I suppose it's a. It'd be quite a comeback. To it be would. It would. I suppose it's an easy mistake to make. Same second name, couple of London boys. So fair enough. Um, <laughs> ah, uh, yeah, it's what it is. Easy yeah, mistake. yeah, fair enough. I think I just, I just made me chuckle. No, I saw her, um, I saw her apologising on on Twitter after the game actually, because I think I had some fans took her to task about it, and and Dennis replied to her like, "What are you talking about? It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Like, it's cool. I, I'm not fussed at all." So, um, nah, I seem to take that well. So yeah. that's good. But um, Bear, just from your your goalkeeping past, um, I need a bit of your expertise here. What's what's it like mm-hmm. in that situation? Have you ever played the role as a backup keeper in your junior <laughs> career? What what's it like to to come in at the last minute like that, or to or to not get as much game time as you maybe think you should be getting? Uh, well, I'm you were number one your whole career, weren't you? You're sitting played, there like, yeah, yeah I did, I did. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, no, you, you're right. I mean, I, I played in the days when you didn't really have uh, backup goalkeepers. It only came in in, in latterly, and uh, that was basically basically because I mean, certainly junior football clubs couldn't really carry a backup goalkeeper because. Yeah. Um, you know, boys wanted to play. If you're in the goal and you're not going to game, you're going to go somewhere else. That, that, that's a fact. But even going back to, to senior football, you know, when I'm, I'm watching Dundee through the... Remember, you used to only get two substitutes. So there wasn't a goalkeeper named among the substitutes. And basically what, what happened was if, if, if the keeper got injured, you normally found somebody that was that was quite capable of actually, you know, going in the goal. But I think, obviously, it is a, it is a good introduction. Like Robbie Winters. Yeah, well, yeah, that's I've, I've seen that. I mean, I remember Dundee playing at... at a cup tie against St Johnston years ago and Duncan Campbell went in the goal and 
Duncan couldn't actually touch a crossbar. You know, he was only about five <laughs> foot seven. You know, he, he would have had to stand on a box. I'm pretty sure Dundee, Dundee won that game. Or certainly didn't lose the game. He was in the goal. But uh, yeah, it's, it's someone that's been introduced and it's, it's a great introduction because this, that's a, this is the sort of thing that happens whether during the game or, uh, you know, at, at the start in the warm-up. It's difficult. It's difficult, uh, I've got to say. It's not like a, an ordinary substitute uh, coming on. I have done it once in the past uh, where, where I've been called up and, and I was actually playing. I'll no, I'll no blow my own trumpet here, but I was actually playing for Scotland at the time. But anyway, and uh, <laughs> I was called on. The, the, the keeper got injured and I, I went on. And uh, yeah, it was it was very strange. It's very strange. And, you know, you, 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 you don't get time to get a wee warm-up properly or anything like that. You know, you're not getting your hands on the ball and... I think you're just hoping to get through the first 10, 15 minutes without doing any, making any proper clangers. Unfortunately, that night I, I didn't. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a more difficult, it's a more difficult role to, to come on to, shall we put it that way, than just going on as a, an outfield player, which I think you can yeah. sort of bed yourself in more gradually. Um, but the backup role is, you know, it's, it's one of these things that's been introduced, and you know, we've seen it over the years where where people have had to play backups, and uh, wouldn't it be for me, Callum? And I mean, you've seen you've seen keepers. Um, in, in the recent past, I'm thinking about like some Mark Brown who played for for uh, Inverness and was was a top keeper for them, and then he went to Celtic Park and hardly played mm-hmm. for three years, you know, for Celtic. And yeah. and but obviously he gets the big money, big big uh, contract. Similarly, you can look at Lucas Zaluska went from Dundee United from being number one at United to Celtic. Lucas Zaluska was at Celtic for almost five years mm. and hardly, you know, when I say hardly played again, he, he maybe played thirty or forty games. You know, but you know, some boys are just prepared to sit out. Scott Bain, to a point, has, has had to to do mm. that pretty much. Itself. not through choice. I've got to say, um, but then you're looking, you're looking at the other side of it. Okay, you're looking at the other side of that, and you're looking at a guy like Connor Hazard, who is at Celtic, but who has just—I think he's just recently signed a new contract. But he is now—he's—he's—he's he's, he's going to have to make his mind up very shortly. He's going to have to go out and get first-team football. I think that's the difference for him. These guys have spoken. We're playing first-team football. Um, Connor Hazard has to go out and really prove himself and 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 become a number one. And uh, I think you might see that at Celtic Park. I mean, obviously he's hoping to muscle his way in, but we'll have to mm. wait and see. But if not in the next twelve months, I would think he's got to start looking to go out and and, and get some first team games, real serious first team football. Yeah, it's an interesting quirk of modern modern football. I just talking to modern football. It's gone even further down south because Adam Langston's going into Dundee territory at the moment, but he was at Burnley as a training goalkeeper. So he wasn't even expected to really be mm-hmm. in the matchday squad. He was crazy, isn't it? He was signed so, yeah, because just making up the numbers. You would have to. You'd, you'd have two goalkeepers in a matchday squad. Yeah, a third goalkeeper, but you would need. But the the goalkeepers who were in the squad wouldn't train the next day, so you would need another goalkeeper. So that's what his job was. Mm-hmm. It's mad. That's why you see boys like Scott Carson and that showing up at like Man City and that just like just to make up the numbers. Like they're, they're never going to play. There's no chance in them playing. They're like, yeah, you know, maybe in in, in the kind of early forties. There's no chance in them playing. Right. But it's uh, certainly an interesting uh, quirk of, of modern football. Yeah. It's it's finally yeah. reached Dundee. So there you go. I, I call that a nice wee earner. Right. So so bear, you, you might still have a chance to, yeah, to get yeah, back there's, there's get the gloves wee, back wee on. Wee money. Uh, if I can bend down and touch my toes, I'll give him a shout, George. I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, brilliant, good stuff. Um, I think that's about it for for Dundee United. They've obviously got this big game on Sunday, so we wish them well. Hopefully, they can get themselves um, back to Hamden. It's been a long time since the club's been there. I think it's five years since they were last at Hamden. Um, that was a, a, a Scottish Cup semi-final defeat at the hands of of Hibs, who went on to to win the trophy that year. And, and before that, it was back in 2015 for the League Cup final. Were you, were you at that one, George? Yeah. Um, uh, when when Celtic beat them, was it four now? I think maybe. I I was there for the semi. I think I only did the semi final that year. That was that was a good game against Aberdeen actually as well. Um, was that was that the year that sort of Gary McKay, Stephen, and and Stuart Armstrong played for Dundee United in a semi final, but then transferred to Celtic before the final and couldn't play? I th- yeah, I think you might be right. Test my memory. I, all I can really remember is Big Callum Morris scoring the goal at Hamden. Yeah, the header. Um, but yeah, no, I think that might have been the, the, the start of the the downturn for United when they, when they lost to Armstrong mm. and GMS and played Celtic about six times in a row or something. <laughs> and that kind of yeah. kicked, the, kicked off the downward spiral, sadly. Yeah, but it seems to have, you know, they seem to have came full circle in a way. Hopefully they can get that Hamden berth. They've certainly got guys in the in the dressing room. Callum Butcher, who's 
part of those teams, um, if, you know, a, a good number of years ago who, who know what it's all about. So yeah, um, certainly be interesting. We, we wish them all the best going up there on on Sunday. Um, another big game this weekend for uh, the Dark Blues across the street. We're going to talk a little bit about Dundee. Yes, Dundee have got a huge one coming up on Saturday. They have Wraith, second place Wraith, calling in at Dens Park. And given how things have gone recently in the Championship, um, it's looking tough for Dundee to make second, it must be said, but um, it's truly do or die in terms of getting that runners-up spot um, in pole position for the playoffs at Dens on Saturday. George, you've you've been covering Dundee, as always, um, recently. Tuesday night was a, a 1-1 draw in Inverness, an exciting game, an interesting game, but but one that, because Dundee weren't able to win, um, it does make it you know, increasingly difficult for them to to finish second with, with two games remaining. Yeah, the, the, everything has to go their way, really, although the, the games that are left are slightly in Dundee's favour, just because they're playing Wraith, who are second. If, if they can get that win, it goes down to the last day. They're playing my team, Queens, who have hopefully nothing to play for at that point. I think we're just about safe and can't... Falling off a cliff, George. And falling off a cliff. Blaming those Arbroath boys for saying we're the best team in the league <laughs> uh, a few weeks back. <laughs> um, yeah. And then Wraith are playing Hearts. So if Dundee can... It's all about Saturday, really. Dundee need to beat, beat Wraith to give themselves a chance. Uh, and then you never know. Uh, it might happen for them, but... Second place has obviously been the target for a long time, and Dundee should be finishing second um, with with the the budget they've got and the, the quality they've got in their team. Really, that's that's what it always boils down to for me. And to be honest, on Tuesday night they played; they were poor in the first half, yeah, really poor. But the second half they changed it. They brought on Charlie Adam, they brought an extra man in the middle, and and Charlie looked like a man who had something to prove. He wanted to show. He was ready, ready to play again. Uh, he'd obviously been on the bench for a while, and then after uh, falling ill with, with COVID, and, and then coming back, it's at a time when Dundee were picking up results and, and it changed the formation. It was trying to fit him into. It. I think they, they mm-hmm. chose to keep the team as it was mm-hmm. rather than change it for for him coming back. But I think that might might change now. Um, the way he played on Tuesday night. They should have won, really. Even against eleven men, they, they were they were bossing it against Cali, and then against nine men, it, it was almost it was classic Dundee almost to, to come up against nine men and then almost immediately concede somehow. <laughs> uh, but they saved it, Lee Ashcroft with a with a towering header. Um, it was just one of it was just one of those crazy championship games. It was just it was just madness. Anything can happen, and then. Ends in a draw. That's that's what happens. Yeah, no, it was a absolutely unbelievable scenes really in, in that second half. First half, not really much to report. Like you say, George Dundee, not their finest forty five minutes of the season, but the, the second <laughs> half certainly a very, very um, exciting game. Bear, I'm sure you're going to give us your verdict on these. But there was two red cards <laughs> for Inverness before we had um, the the first goal of the game. Scott Allardyce sent off straight red. Brad McKay also a straight red. Allardyce was on a yellow card at the time when he was given his marching orders. Um, what what is your view on on the decisions James McPeak and, and Neil McCann weren't happy with with referee Mike Runcone for for different reasons after the game, but McCann certainly not not best pleased with the the sending offs. Yeah, yeah, I would expect that. You expect that from <laughs> Neil. Um, yeah. But I have to say, of Allardyce, I didn't realise at the time that Allardyce was already on a yellow, and oh, it was a yeah. stone wall. It was a stone wall yellow anyway. You know whether I mean Scott Allardyce isn't a dirty player. He, he is a he is a robust player, and I, I like him. I really like him. You know he's a powerful young man, and you know he gets stuck in, and that's that's the way he goes about his business. And um, yeah, I mean I, I, I maybe a straight red was a wee bit harsh, but he was going off. I was I was I thought it was mm-hmm. a, a stick on yellow card anyway. The second one I didn't really get that much of a, a view of calm, but you you for another to be looking and, and tell me it was. It was pretty a, a poor challenge. Um, I think he lunges. Yeah. I think he lunges, and he's uh, yeah. a wee bit late. Uh, I mean, uh, that's yeah. me watching it back. I don't know how it looked in real time for you, George. Those those two, but I think Allardyce certainly. He was like Bear was saying, it was definitely yellow. So he was going off anyway. Obviously, Inverness might want to appeal that straight red and get it downgraded to two yellows and a red because I think that makes a difference to the to the sort of the ban that you would get. But 
I mean, for you, George, was that the right calls made by by Mike Ronconi? Um, I, I Neil McCann said he was going to appeal both of them. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the Scott Allardyce one. It looked a bit two footed from where I was. I don't think he's going to get anywhere with Bad Mackay, but, <laughs> but <yeah. No. laughs> he says he's going to. But um, yeah, sorry, George. Just I go back to uh, what James McPeak said, and George has echoed that that first half. And you know, it wasn't a great game, but I was. I mean, I was quite content because Dundee are four points ahead at Inverness Cali, you know. So you were expecting Inverness Cali, who have been on a really good run. Let's not forget that. You know, expecting a wee bit, a wee bit more from them, but that never materialised. Um, but second half, eleven against eleven, Dundee were the better team, and you know they were on top. And you know the the, the, the red cards change the flow of the game, obviously, in Dundee's favour. You've got to, I mean, when they're, they're down to nine, and, and then. Dundee get that get that goal and you know Jason Cummins and to all Bill accounts I mean you think it's in the net and there seems to be an etern- eternity before the linesman and referee get their act together and it's, it's called offside now I've seen different pictures from different angles and it's inconclusive I've got to say but it was a, a really harsh one on Dundee and Jason Cummins who's, who could do be a goal um, you know because I think if they'd taken the lead at that point they would not have lost the goal yeah. I think the reason they lost the goal is they started chasing it a wee bit too much against the nine men. And you know, and you said you said it was exciting, Calm. It was absolutely nerve shredding <laughs> for a Dundee fan because let's <laughs> let's be let's let's be no be under no illusion here. You know, defeat would have been an absolute catastrophe in yeah, terms yeah. of, you know, they would have been right back in the mix. A draw wasn't the worst result in the world for Dundee, the way things are standing. Um, the most important thing is to get in the playoffs, and you, once you get there, you worry about you know maybe getting into second. And if you don't make second, well, you just have to go, get yourself through that other game. But had they lost that game, and the impact it would have had on the team, you know, morale, I think could have been really, really, you know, um, decisive. So that but fair play to them, you know, big big Ashcroft's come up by another big big goal, and uh, I think yeah, I mean. He's been outstanding. I've mentioned on, on previous podcasts how I believe he's the best centre half in that league, and I still I go along with that, even though take his goals out of the equation. But they always come in handy. And you're looking now, I think, uh, you know, sort of like to, I mean, I, I like centre halves. I believe centre halves should be more than just sort of centre halves. They should be looking to score goals uh, at set plays. And he's doing that. And you go back to like of Bobby Mann, who used to get a few goals. But I think he's more like Bobby Mann used to get goals from free kicks and things because he had a terrific, a terrific, a terrific striker of the ball, Bobby. I go way back the last set and a half that I remember scoring goals from set plays on such a regular basis was big Brian Irvin. I don't know if you guys remember when we played for Aberdeen, came down to Dundee for a couple of seasons and he mm. he regularly hit the back of the net. So all in all, it was you know, it was it was a strange, strange game. But uh, the the point wasn't the worst result in the world for Dundee. And what I would say again, I've seen them now playing against Dunfermline and I've seen them playing against Inverness in recent weeks and away from home and they've been the better team. Mm-hmm. They've been the better team, and that bodes well if they've got to meet them in the playoffs because they've already they've beaten them both both recently at Dens as well. And I think Dundee are are playing quite well at the moment. All they need to add, they need, they need to add a, a, a more clinical finishing touch to their game. If they can do that, they'll be standing in good stead whoever they play. Obviously, Wraith on Saturday, Wraith have been fantastic this season. Coming up, coming up from League One to do what they've done uh, is great. And you, we've watched them play, and, and you know the they play some terrific football under John McGlynn. But I would be it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Dundee to go and, and, and give them a doing on Saturday, obviously for the, in terms of where they could finish in the league, but for playoffs coming up, you know, and say, well, wait a minute, if you think you're going to get past us, then you've got another thing coming. I, just on, on that, in, in terms of taking on uh, the, the kind of who they may face in the, in the playoffs, if you look back at the last two games against the Fairman, they drew and they won, so that would see them through over a two-legged. Um, Inverness, they drew and they won, so that would see them through mm-hmm. in a two-legger. So the, really interested to see how it goes against Wraith because if they can get a win, then obviously they lost the last time, but that would kind of level things up. But these games don't—they're not comparable to two like playoff ties. But it kind of shows that Dundee Dundee will be a strong strong outfit in these playoffs, and somebody a team that the others don't really want to face with the type of quality that's in there. I think. Maybe um, fans are a wee bit down just because the season's not gone quite as as it should have, maybe or, or it could have, or, or, or in terms of the the kind of finances Dundee have got and the players they've got, they should really have had second tied up by now. But 
they're in decent form. They're, they're unbeaten in six. That goal they conceded was actually the first goal they conceded in almost four away games. Yeah. So the, there are really good things about Dundee at the moment. It's just as Bear says, finding that that scoring touch, get Cummings back on the on the score sheet or, or Osmond so or, or somebody. Um, if they start to do that, then they could be hitting form at just the right time. No, I think you're absolutely right, mate. I think. Um, you know, and credit to Rafe as well because Rafe have had a very, very good season. Nah, um, I think it's easy to forget they've just just came up from League One as well, and there was a wee bit of controversy about them actually getting the title because it was so close with with Falkirk last season when the coronavirus curtailed the the campaign. But they've John McGlynn's done a fantastic job there. He's got some very good, very good players, very good young players. Um, but I think the good thing about Dundee, you mentioned the the, the unbeaten run peaking at a good time and, and I think Bear was sort of alluding to the fact that they were play, going up against teams they're going to they're gonna maybe face in the playoffs and, and, and more than, than looking competitive and holding their own and perhaps should have been winning some of these games but for me the big change in Dundee certainly the last couple of months maybe has been the, the character in the team and, and, and Lee Ashcroft epitomises that kind of never say die attitude and he's constantly popping up with goals and it's it's crucial goals every time and it's often very, very, very late in games like it was um, on Tuesday night and, and the Highlands cancelling out Danny Mackay's goal um, with, with, what, three, four minutes to go with, with what you have to say, an absolutely thumping header, magnificent header. He's, 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 he's turned into such a crucial, crucial player for, for Dundee. I was, I was getting ridiculed a wee bit last week for um, likening them to, to Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, said Lee Ashcroft's Dundee's Michael Jordan, which is absolutely ridiculous part to be honest with you but I mean what I was saying was and and I'm in America I don't know if it's it's maybe they use it in American football but they certainly use it in basketball they have a saying called clutch which means that players turn up in the big moments and deliver particularly late on in games or late on in seasons and, and Lee Ashcroft has certainly got that sort of characteristic about him where he just seems to be able to drag Dundee out of out of holes and um, I think you mentioned it as well, Bear. But Jason Cummins not getting that goal is a bit disappointing because he was on on fire, you know, maybe a few weeks ago. But he's maybe just mm-hmm. been struggling the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know how that looked at the game, George. But to me, it looked very, very tight, and, and as Bear said, inconclusive as to whether that was that was that was a goal or not. Well, when the ball went in the net, I had absolutely no inclination that there was going to be any problem with it. It didn't look. Mm. Like there was, there would be a problem. And the, the problem, the issue, or the biggest issue, was how long it took because the people will have seen the photo. We've used in a few stories that Cummings, the ball's in the net. Cummings is running past the the post and he's looking at the linesman. At this point, there's no flag. There's nothing. So Cummings is like, "Great, go, we're off." And he's they're away celebrating in the corner, and then they they all wander back and take their positions for the the restart. And then the ref is still talking to the linesman. There's still no decision that's, that's, that's how long it took um, there was also a big celebration on the bench I must say from the, the Dundee <laughs> dugout that um, yeah. the Cali bench did not take too kindly and uh, gave them some stick back when Cali scored and there was also it was, well it didn't kick off but there was some words, words spoken um, between the two benches uh, but yeah I, it, it looked like a really harsh one it's difficult I've, as Spear says it's you can't really tell with the, the angle the camera's at, but it was it's because it took so long. Dundee were were back and ready to to kick off again, uh, and and still the, the referee was was making up his mind. Referee didn't have the best tonight, so I would say that. You mentioned uh, arguments in the touchline and, and managers having to go to referees. I know we're in the Dundee section, but it just uh, popped up in my head there. Mickey Mellon at, at Rugby Park last night with the, the fourth official, Gavin Duncan. Oh, they were having an absolute ding-dong all night <laughs> and because it's like such a... And particularly at Rugby Park because it's quite a big stadium and it, it's obviously empty, no fans. You just <laughs> Their arguments just echoing around the whole stadium and I'm sitting there. Uh, I'm trying to pick the right words here. Soiling myself for the uh, the post match because I'm like I'm, I can't. I they've just got beat three now. I can't ask Mickey any difficult questions here. He's going to bite my head off, man. Like absolutely terrifying. Um, I'm not going to repeat anything he said because I don't think I can. But um, the the Paisley was coming out and, and I'm put it that way. Shall we say that's the good thing about the there been no fans. You can hear all the wee niggly arguments and stuff between the the benches. It's great. Yeah. It's it's like it's funny. Like obviously, yeah, it's serious because it's like. 
people care and it's people's livelihoods but sometimes it's funny like this sort of how pathetic and, and silly the arguments can be about some of the smallest things and some of the language that's used is just um absolutely fantastic um uh, one man who's who's not afraid to use colorful languages uh, is paul mcgowan he's he's expected back in the dundee fold for the final two games george that'll be a that'll be a big boost he's a guy who knows exactly what it's what it's all about it at then yeah and he's he's been in good form recently um He's been he's been the main man. Well, obviously, Charlie Adams been been out and on the bench and stuff. It's Paul McGowan's been the leader, um, and he's certainly with no crowd there. He's he's been very entertaining to, to hear exactly what what he comes out on. <laughs> yeah, I honestly I've said to the folk at Dundee that they should just they should do games where they just follow. Gives her around with the camera. Gives her cam. Yeah, exactly. Just follow, people would watch that. That'd be great television. I have to say. <laughs> Same. I'd watch a full ninety minutes. Yeah, and mind, remember they did the Zidane one at Real Madrid, and it was rubbish because he didn't do anything. Yeah. Even if that, if yeah, wasn't like involved the poetic, with the ball, it's like the poetic music. Yeah. In the background, I feel like Gauza would be like heavy metal or some <laughs> kind of like GBX mix if he was doing it. Do you know what I mean? It'd just be like absolute chaos. It'd be superb. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's he's like. He's a good lad, but a good boost to have him back. Exactly, and they had they had Max Anderson back on Tuesday as well. He's he's been a, a big player for them. You mentioned Ashcroft coming up with big goals. Uh, Max has, has scored a few um, just in re- recent weeks, so he's another good one. McGee's mm-hmm. been back. He's looked like his old self. Adams back. I was going to say. I mean, Jordan McGee's kind of like that. That was his sort of like rebirth as like a midfielder was up at Inverness the last time so it was good to see him out there yeah. on Tuesday night sort of doing his thing again in that position it, it bodes well um, Jordan Marsh was maybe one that you, you, you are concerned you're going to miss Cammy Kerr um, did do a good job at left back um, Bear, would you back Cammy? I mean we know what Cammy's like he's, he's a good pro would you back him to continue to do that job into the playoffs if, if need be yeah, I think I think he's he's capable of doing it. I mean, I, I don't think they've got many more options. It's is one sort of area of the team that are a wee bit of light on cover down that that left side defensive area. Um, yeah, Carney Carney can do a good job there. You do lose out going forward uh, because he's not got the same sort of you know final ball as as Jordan Marshall has. But you know, you just have to go on. I think when you're when you're going into the the last few weeks of the season. And you've only, you're only sort of losing one man, you know. We're talking about Marshall being out. The rest of the squad seems to be in really, really good shape. And Dundee have got a big, big squad, so I think their squad's probably in better shape than any other squads around them, which is another another good thing for James McPake to have. So, no, you can have no complaints. Hopefully, George Marshall. It'll be interesting to see how. I mean, it could be the case that depending on what happens at the weekend, you know, if, if Dundee if Dundee can can beat Wraith Rovers, maybe 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 James McPake might be tempted to bring Jordan Marshall back for the Queen of South games. But if Dundee, mm-hmm. if they are able to get a, a point on the board and, and Dundee are effectively secure of a, a playoff slot, it may be wise just to leave Marshall out for another another game to give him more time to recover. Well, we'll wait and see. But uh, yeah, no no qualms about playing Cammy Kerr at left back, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's a good chance for, for Cammy as well, though his contract's up in the summer. So mm-hmm. for him personally as well, it's a chance to go and impress and, and you know try and get a new deal at Dens because we don't have much... Uh, he loves playing for Dundee. He's Dundee daft. He's got Barry Smith posters in his bedroom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's right. And I think, I think it's uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Cammy Kerr, and, and and more than just it's more than just as a footballer. I think he's he's he, he plays with his, his heart on his sleeve. I, I think also, which is a plus for him, he's a he's a Dundee lad, and I think it's good for uh, you know the local team of local a local connection if you like you know he's come through yeah, the, yeah. the academy mm. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea but believe me um, Cami Kerr won't be short of, short of offers um, if Dundee do decide you know that he's not going to get a contract because one he's a particularly fit guy you know so when you're yeah, looking mm. at, at squads certainly in the championship where you know teams are, are on a budget you need boys as well as getting good players you need guys who are going to get through that season without having a history of be, being injured and Cami Kerr has got that. And I also think in his most comfortable position at right back, he does a job. He does a job. Okay, we'd like to see the final ball better. But here, he's a defender first and foremost. And I think in that respect, he's no slouch. You know, there's no many boys can 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 sort of give Cami Kerr five years and get to the get to the ball before him. So No, he's um, got he's no, got some engine on him. I do, he's got I, some engine. I do hope I do hope he gets he, he gets another deal. But 
wherever I mean if not it'll be somebody else's gain certainly if, if, if he's not a Dundee Absolutely a um, couple more things to, to round up before we, we move on and, and wrap up the show George Jordan Foster has left Dundee um, before the end of his contract um, didn't really just didn't happen for him this season did it I mean he was he was a bit down the pecking order and I suppose it suits both parties for him to to move on and, and maybe find pastures new. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't think uh, things have been going so well behind the scenes. Um, he'd obviously been kind of frozen out and hadn't played. Uh, he, he was injured. He got he broke his foot in the Hearts game right at the start of the season. Uh, even he admitted he didn't play play particularly well that day either, um, which held him back. Uh, and then. It, He's just not not go back in the team. Um, played a few times last season. I think, um, yeah, it's just one of those that just didn't work. You, you could see he's got when he's on his game. He's he's a very strong, very useful defender. Good in there, strong in the tackle. Yeah, but he's, he's had a few days where it's, he's just been off his game and he's he's not had good time at Dundee overall. You'd probably say um, it's no surprise that. He's left. His, his contract was ending at the end of the season. It's maybe surprising that he's left mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just last week. With the, um, he can't really sign for anybody else this season. He's going to have to wait. But uh, I guess it's just it's time to shake hands and, and move on. Yeah, there's a there's a player in there. There wasn't a bear. I mean, we have seen that at times in his in, in his time at, at Dundee, and I'm sure whoever does um, pick him up next season, um, he'll be able to do a decent job for them. Yeah, there is a player in there, Callum, but ultimately he never played well enough, uh, consistently enough. That's that's what we needed from mm-hmm. Jordan Foster. We needed that that lean sort of mean machine that he looked, you know, and, and you know he looked an imposing character with his beard. I keep going back to that. He did, he did though, and I think that. But you know what? I think that's not a bad thing. I, I think of you. If you look imposing, then that, that I've seen forwards yeah, who no, no. are quaking, are quaking in their boots, just looking at some of these centre halves, you know. So, um, but he just uh, he never really recovered from it. He made a, a, a serious blunder against Queen of the South uh, last season, and he never really got back on track after that. And um, that was disappointing, obviously, for Dundee and disappointing for him. But since then, I think the problem you've got is obviously we've seen the emergence of Lee Ashcroft. We've seen Liam Fontaine come in to an extent and, and look pretty composed, you know, as you would expect from a guy with his experience. So that's that's sort of those two have nailed those spots themselves. And we've also seen young Sam Fisher, you know, breaking into that, that area uh, as well. So um, Jordan Foster's chances of, of sort of, you know, getting, he was well down the pecking order. So I think, you know, probably it's, it's a good move. It gives him an early opportunity to go and maybe get himself a deal for next season. But, you know, yeah, I mean, you will do a job for somebody out there, but it's getting the consistency into his game and, uh, you know, um, doing that on, on a, you know, being being a big, tough centre-half week in, week out. That's what that's mm-hmm. what he needs to concentrate on. But there'll be, there'll be, there'll be offers for Jordan, I'm, I, I'm sure of that. Yep. Elsewhere, uh, former Dundee and Dundee United defender Lewis Toshney has taken on the manager's job at Downfield Juniors, um, Bear, an ex-junior man yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting appointment, and um, you know, still quite a young guy, Lewis. I think he's not even is he even thirty yet. I'm not too sure. He's twenty eight. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean twenty eight. A big opportunity yeah, for him to that is that is, that is, is really young. I mean, I, I mean, uh, first and foremost, I mean, I like Lewis Tosney as a defender, and I think when he was fat, he he was well capable of playing. In, in the Premier League and you know or the Championship, but he he had a, a history of you know injuries which which sort of sidetracked him a, a wee bit during his time at Dens and mm-hmm. you know he'll certainly I mean he'll know all about it now going at the management I mean and it is it is incredibly young you know to be dealing with players and you'll find out as James McPake James McPake's maybe six six or seven years older than him as James McPake has, has found out at, at Dundee you know you have to think about a lot more things when you're a player you're just effectively thinking about yourself turning up and getting your boots on and playing the game but mm. you know when you're a manager you've got to take everything else on board and uh, um, but it's an early introduction to it for him downfield uh, I believe there are changes there the junior football has been badly hit I've got to say you know obviously the coronavirus has shut down and the, the yeah. season has been the season was called, but it never really got started anyway. Like, but 
I think they're going to start the season a wee bit earlier. What I'm hearing is that maybe football beginning in the summer months. So he'll he'll have his you know his coaching head on straight away, and I'm sure he's got been in touch with most of his players, and he'll probably be looking to maybe bring in his own backroom staff as well. But Downfield are a decent club, you know, they're a well-run club. Um, so yeah, I hope I hope he does well. I wish him well, but it's a, it's a whole different ballgame for him. That's for sure. Yeah, and the uh, the Mars of Dundee. Um infamy I suppose <laughs> are, in, are in charge there as well so um, well, uh, yeah, but, but got, got, I've just, got ambitions just, to, to move up the, the pyramid system as well now because of the, the way these Dundee junior teams are going to get funneled into the pyramids in the coming season you'd, you'd imagine or well, there's certainly proposals yeah, well, for that well, to happen yeah what we say Callum is hot off the press is that the Mars are, are no longer in charge no, at, not. at downfield no <laughs> well, they've, they've, they've stepped they've stepped back from that and I, 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 I believe there is someone new taking over. It's another Dundee businessman, um, and he's going to be, you know, you know, supplying the cash, you know. But he's going to be be funding things and or backing everything that's going on. And he's bringing in his new his new manager, obviously. And I believe there could be one or two other sort of high profile additions coming in as well. So all change at downfield. But as I say, there. A long time uh, Dundee Junior Club, and uh, we'll be keeping an eye out for them certainly next season, and hopefully Lewis can can do well. Yes, all the best to them. Um, as we know, the Dundee Juniors is the big league, but we're going to give a little bit of time to the minnows of our game in the next section of this podcast. Yes, of course, I'm talking about the uh, the European Super League. Um, what else? Let's be honest; it's all anyone's really spoken about. Um, this week so unless you've been living under a rock you'll know what I'm on about but if you don't then I'll I'll do a quick wee explainer for you um earlier in the week there was an announcement that 12 of Europe's elite biggest football clubs were planning a breakaway league called the European Super League England's big six which is believe it or not given some of their league positions Arsenal Chelsea Liverpool Manchester City Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspur, the other clubs involved were Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Real Madrid, AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Juventus. They were going to break away. Um, there was big money involved. I think JP Morgan had put $5 billion or £5 billion um, into this new super competition. Um, it was met with widespread condemnation, criticism, dismay from fans football people, um, FAs, other associations, UEFA were banning players from competitions and all sorts. Um, it's all kind of came full circle now and it's collapsed in on itself. You know, the kind of, um, I suppose the arse has fallen out of it. Um, all, all the clubs bar Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus have now pulled out um, and, and you know, meekly apologised to their respective FAs about, about the proposals. Um George, what have you made of all this? Um, there's certainly been some fantastic takes across um, the the world of football over the, over the last week or so. My personal favourite, just before you you pipe in here, um, Dick Campbell's opinion on it um, in our <laughs> papers this week was absolutely fantastic. I think what he called them, and I'm just going to say it right because it's a quote, and I'll tick the wee explicit box when I when I uh, publish this podcast. He called them a shower of greedy bastards, and I think he's probably spot on with that. Um, I don't think you can say it any better than. Um, the bonnet vigilante himself there said it <laughs> absolutely not that's all it was about uh, and obviously there's been plenty spoken about it but it was uh, this utter dismay and unsurprising though that uh, rich people want to make themselves richer um, mm. but yeah it's it was, it's just one of these things that they want to guarantee their income every year so they can keep Spending the big money, uh, but it's sport. You get if you get if you put your money into sport, there's a chance you can lose it. That's the thing. That's the whole point of sport. Uh, Pep Guardiola kind of summed that up. He said it was it's, it was the entertainment. If if you're guaranteed success or you're guaranteed to mm. win, you know, there's guaranteed that you can't lose. Um, it's just a bad. Yeah, it's a closed shop. There's yeah. no there's no avenue for people to become part of this. That's as much as it's to an extent. It's it's not like an open shop in no. the Champions League, but you know it's, it's very much geared for to, to, to be weighted towards the bigger teams in the bigger leagues. But there's still opportunities for like I don't know, say Rangers to get into the group stages or or whatever. You know, like it, it can still happen. Whereas this is a completely you know um, 
have you got ID, pal? Sorry, no tonight, mate. Do you know what I mean? That's what it's like. It's just like, it, like you're just not allowed in. Like, it's just a joke. Well, I think um, the, the original plans did have five teams would qualify, I think. I think it was five um, every year. But the the other, the other teams would just be there no matter how bad they were. Mm. And well, the thing is, that one team would win it. And then what did the other teams do? You'd have seventh against eighth, might be. I don't know, AC Milan against Arsenal. Arsenal. <laughs> He's Who's going to watch it? They're, they're the two prime candidates for, you know, like, okay, this is the European <laughs> Super League, but Arsenal and AC Milan uh, recently, in recent years, have both been absolutely pish. So, do you know what I mean? Like, listen, they've got no... AC are all right this season. Yeah, yeah, but they've, like, you know, maybe since, like, the days of, like, Shevchenko and Kaka, they've been rotten. Do you know what I mean? Like, they've just, like, they've ni- neither of those teams have any right to call themselves elite or in a Super League. <laughs> they just don't, like, it's... It's funny, but um, yeah, and the, the, all all these clubs have just have just picked this one moment in time where they happen to be the rich mm. clubs because the money came in at the game when they were good. You look back at clubs like I think it's, people mentioned that clubs like Leeds were playing the other night. Obviously, one of England's biggest clubs, uh, Aston Villa, not mm. Forest won the European Cup twice. Stuff like that. They've obviously Dundee United. Just, do you know what I mean? Exactly. A- Aberdeen, Celtic, Rangers, Ajax. Celtic. Like, these are big clubs. These, these are clubs uh, that have had yeah. massive success in Europe at, at times. It just so happened that the time when the money came in, they weren't quite in in the right place at the right time. Like they, the top English clubs, Man U and stuff, were when when things really took off. Um, it's just a bad idea all around, and they've had their fingers burnt. I think um, it'll take a long, long time for any forgiveness to come to come their way I think there'll be well, we saw in the SPFL over the past couple of years how much backbiting and, and kind of score settling you, you'll find that I think this might be turned up to 11 um, the clubs particularly UEFA I think will come down really hard but it's UEFA's are at fault in the first place I quite I like the Champions League how it is I have no big problems with it but mm-hmm. a lot of Aside from the fact that it's not always champions that are playing in it, um, but a lot of a lot of people across Europe aren't happy with the Champions League, so they try to come, they've come up with a new one for next season, which looks absolutely rubbish as well, which is just one big group, and it's going to be, I think, it'll be boring as well. But yeah, my big hope that is that because all these these guys have come up with this terrible idea, it's it's kind of galvanised the entire world against them. And now people might actually come together and f- try and figure out the the problems that we've got between the the very richest and uh, and the rest. That's obviously that gap's been been grown for years. Hopefully, now that everyone's on the same page with this, that people might come together and, and sort out the big problems and, and make the game a wee bit more fairer uh, across the board. Bear, uh, Dundee's invite obviously got lost in the post, so you've not really got any skin <laughs> in the game. But I mean, what it, do you it was make in the email these? spam folder, mate. <laughs> yeah, to go, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just conveniently landed in the spam folder. Um, <laughs> um, what do you make of these proposals, then, Bear? Go on, give us, give us both barrels. Well, it's a it's a five letter word, Callum. It's it's greed. That's yeah. that's where it is. And George says it's a rich club. So going to begin with S, that five letter word. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, we're not going. To, I, I I keep it clean. Um, <laughs> you know, George, you're saying that it's a, it's it's the rich clubs, but these clubs, I don't think this problem's going away. No. And you know, well, we've seen the, the, this sort of collapse this week. It's still there because these these clubs, the rich clubs aren't rich, that are absolutely weighed down with a mountain of debt, each and every one of them, and they've been they've been severely stung over the last 12 months or more with the, with the COVID thing. And it's like anything, George. I mean, they have huge turnovers, all the clubs that you've mentioned there. But because they have, you know, the revenue streams keep coming in, they are able to service that debt. So they are able to, you know, borrow on that, et cetera, et cetera. But there comes a point where they are unable to service that debt, you know, and that is that is staring all these owners squarely in the face. And they've come up with this this Euro- European Super League plan. Now, there's obviously been wide discussions on this, and they've sat. They, we're talking about huge, huge companies here. You know, multi-million companies with, with, with heads, heads, boardroom you know, staff, and they've come up with this plan, and nobody has basically thought about it clearly enough to think what the backlash would be 
and they've completely scored an own goal here. And, you know, head should roll in every one of these boardrooms. You know, you're seeing groveling apologies from the owners trying to get the fans back on board. But, as I said right at the beginning there, the problem still remains because you've got, on one side, you've got the biggest clubs in Europe, but you've also got other entities. You've got uh, UEFA, you've got FIFA, you've got Sky TV, who are a big player in all of this as well. And what the, all these sort of institutions, they all want to make money themselves. So you're seeing an increase in the in the Champions League. You're yeah. seeing the, 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 the FIFA Club Championship increasing. You saw the frustration in Jurgen Klopp and he, and he came out and said, look, this isn't what we want, but he's not happy with having to sort of, you know, play. The, the amount of games that, that these teams have got to play is absolutely ridiculous, you know. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but I don't believe that, you know, this is over. I mean, I, Gary Neville on Sky made some some great points. The clubs want to rule their own destiny, I mean, and they want they want to be able to, you know, everybody across the globe now can watch football on their mobile phone. If they can get, you know, a club like Manchester United could probably because of I mean, because my, have you? Let's be honest. If you're watching Sky TV, the games you tend to look for are the games involving Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester City. Now that's not to say that the games are going to be brilliant. But it's because of their history and because of the, the amount of top quality players they've got, you tend to switch on to these games and watch them. And some of the games are absolutely mince, let's be, you know, at, at that level. But it's yeah. a similar a similar thing across the globe. And what Manchester United and clubs like that and, you know, Liverpool, they want to be in charge of that. They want to be able to, you know, sell their the rights to their games to, you know, the people in India and people in Australia and people in the Far East for maybe a pound and if they can get, as Gary Neville says, 150 million people paying a pound to watch one of their games, that'll make, that'll make them wealthy. They're wanting a, it's like they are effectively wealthy clubs, but they're wanting a bigger share of this pie and the, the problem is exacerbated because of the whole COVID thing and it's not gone away. It's not gone away, it's still there because they're going to have to come up with a solution pretty quickly, especially some of these Spanish clubs who are teetering on the brink you know, of, of really sort of struggling to service some of this debt that they find themselves in Real Madrid, Barcelona. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. From a working point of view, what an absolute disaster. That story broke at 11 o'clock <laughs> on Sunday night and I was getting ready just to, to, to finish off and I was on for what about another two to, hours. I, to drop it. What, what, an, what, an, what an absolute nightmare. And then again, and then 48 hours later, for, sorry, say that again, 48 hours later, you then have a disintegrating and that was changing on an hourly basis. The amount of teams you were putting stories in the paper, well, wait a minute, there's an R2 Cubs pulling it, well, wait a minute, there's an, you know, so it's just the whole thing has been an absolute shambles. And for it to, be, to, for it to happen, I know it's sort of Ed Woodward's, you know, he's fallen on his sword, but there, there should be right across boardrooms across Europe, there should be similar, you know, chief executives doing the same thing. It has to be. Yeah, it's a shame we've not got like the the late extra and all these different editions at the, the telly anymore because <laughs> um, like, would have been how would have yeah. been handy with what was happening this well, week. I'd, to be honest, I'd, <laughs> I don't think it'd make any difference because it was just changing on an hourly basis. You know, yeah. it's just it was difficult. It was difficult even for you know the the World Wide Web to keep up with it because things were happening <laughs> so fast. Um, I don't don't underestimate the power of the the boys up at the Kingsway. They, they get those print uh, those uh, papers printed off rapid. So um, they do they do a fantastic job. But um, no, they, they've um, they've pretty much all pulled out of it now. All the clubs they've um, shat it essentially. Um, <laughs> bottles have crashed. Um, but you just for, for me and and anyone I mean you boys know and anyone who listens to this podcast on a regular basis knows what I'm like and especially after the the award win last night. I'm a bit of a champagne socialist. So, um, but but I just. I just I couldn't help but laugh at the the hypocrisy of of people and and they, like you say Gary Neville Jurgen Klopp right made some good points in that but anyone that thinks that this is some kind of new fangled invention this greed and this European Super Leagues and horrendous thing you only have to look at the Premier League and the way it's been going for for a good number of years football to a lot of people didn't exist before nineteen ninety two or nineteen ninety three um, and the greed involved at that level of the game um, and you know make, make no mistake about it like Sky were, were pushing an agenda with their coverage and, and Gary Neville were pushing an agenda with their coverage because th- they have the rights to, to the Premier League and they were worried about their product and how much they could sell it for so yep. greed's mm-hmm. all the way throughout football it's all the way it's pre- particularly bad I'm not just sitting here parrying English football I mean I like to do that but it's particularly bad down south in um, 
as much as we've not got a sponsor for our league and you can't watch the games anywhere unless it involves Rangers or Celtic, I, you know, I love that Scottish football is just absolutely tin pot um, because we've got none of this to, to concern ourselves about. It's um, it's just it's just good patter up here, isn't it? We, we don't need... We should just be marketing ourselves as the patter league, like the anti-super league. Like, <laughs> that's bad patter. We've got good patter. We've got, we've got like Dick Campbell coming out and calling them <laughs> a shower of greedy bastards. Do you know what I mean? Like, we should be ramping up. And I saw the SPFL doing that on Twitter. They were like, you know, trying to market the league as like, look at this great alternative option, you know, go, go and support your local team, you know, Dumbarton or Montrose or Cove Rangers or whoever it is. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think we could be doing more on the back of this to sort of, to seize on it and be like, look, there's, there's other options rather than just watching elite football on TV. It's, mm-hmm. it's boring. You know, like once, <laughs> once we get fans back in the stadium, hopefully very soon, you know, I'd go anywhere to watch a game. Do you know what I mean? I'd go and watch Lewis Toshney's downfield. You know, if it was available at the moment. Do you know what I mean? So, um, that that's that's what it's all about. But um, yeah, it's been a it's been like a catastrophic week for for Europe's elite. But but thankfully for us, it's been a it's been a, it's been a terrific week. Um, George, I'll, I'll give you the the sort of final word on on the awards success. Um, obviously, you were you were stunned. You didn't even know what day it was. It was. <laughs> It was it was such it was such a it came as such a shock to you, but um, it's um, it's it's certainly a nice thing to to hopefully get on a, on one of our mantelpieces very soon. Yeah, I think you're giving me the last word just because you want a bit of praise. I think that's that's all that's happening here. Yes, mate, on you go. <laughs> no, you do a great do job, Colm. <laughs> Sometimes some weeks you do do a, a decent job. <laughs> uh, Oh, that that digging attempt was awful, wasn't it? That was an awful <laughs> digging for for compliments there. No, it's um, it's it's been it's a very very enjoyable surprise. Even if I didn't, I forgot to actually watch the award show. Um, but <laughs> we'll find the highlights somewhere. Yeah, I just thought I'd bring it up again because I did I did promise uh, at the top of the show that we'd mention it at least one more time before the end. So, um, but I, th- I think it's all down to the Bears weather reports. To be honest, I think that's what's clinched oh. it. Here, yeah. nobody nobody else has got that. We didn't we didn't do a weather report today. Oh, right, go God. on, Bear. Oh, well, we'll okay, end on a weather report well, for the new. Well, I mean, who the new cares? Dawn. Yeah, who who cares about the weather? I mean, it's, it's a glorious day after last night's <laughs> award win. But no, it's it's absolutely sensational outside, and I believe it's. It's going to be sensational weather right until Monday, um, and that's when the pubs open and you'll get to drink outside. And it's going to that's true. be raining for a month. It's going to be raining for a month <laughs> after that. I think that's probably that's probably what you can bet on. But uh, no, it's, it's beautiful today, and uh, it's a great day, a great day. And uh, hopefully, uh, the powers that be in DC Thompsons will will, will will take it uh, take it upon themselves to send us all down to the actual. The actual event next year, and we can we can make up for actually not being there <laughs> last night to collect our award. Yeah, we can go back down there and, and defend our title. Um, it, it sounds like a good idea. But yes, we are the champions. I'm away to go and put on a bit of Queen um, in the kitchen while I make my lunch. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for for listening over the last you know over two years now. But we're on 113 episodes now, which is which is unbelievable. But um, I it's um it's greatly appreciated and yes we'll we'll see you next week goodbye. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or. Go to thetelly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>